On today's episode of Moving the Goalposts, we take a close look at this week's NFL Draft. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast. My name is Nick Marr, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? Find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along with us on our Moving the Goalposts social media as well. They can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Mr. Masala. Yes, sir. We uh, had, had a nice little rest last week to prepare us for perhaps the biggest week in the NFL offseason schedule. I would mm-hmm. say free agency in the draft definitely one to followed by like you know mini camps up leading up until training camp but we have the nfl draft this week on thursday we're roughly three hours and or uh, three days and 10 hours away from from the first pick uh and there is a lot of stuff up in the air as much as we think we know what's going to happen with the first two picks with jacksonville and and the jets Mm -hmm. uh everything from there is totally undecided and I, I genuinely don't think we're going to find out until what times the draft starts, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. So figure 7.30, 8.30. That's, that's really when the draft is going to start. But, uh, but just I wanted to hear your thoughts on the prospect pool coming into this year's draft. There's obviously going to be more needs than just quarterback for the Patriots. But, uh, but I want to hear your two cents on, on some of the guys that may be available to New England or should be available throughout the first round. So, uh, so what, do you, what do you got for us? Yeah, I think uh, New England's in an interesting spot right now. Uh, 15, obviously the, one of the highest picks they've had in, in quite some time. Uh, and they have the ability to move around if they need to. Um, they address so many of their needs in free agency, and yet there's still so many out there. Uh this talent pool this year is a really solid first round first round and and you'll see some of the guys who maybe might have first round talents but because other other teams are looking for positions you might be able to get a first round talent in early second round as well um the, the Patriots can go a number of different ways here. If they want to stay at 15, they can they can certainly go out and they can get a cornerback, a, a guy like J.C. Horn or Asante Samuel Jr. All these guys are right right in that same area. Patrick Sertan is supposed to go maybe even that 10 to 15 range as well. Um, and you can address the, the future of your cornerback position with J.C. Jackson potentially being a free agent next year. Stephon Gilmore, no one really knows what his situation is going to be like. The guy you've seen mocked to the Patriots probably the most has still been Micah Parsons. Um, and he, if you watch his tape, he plays exactly like Dante Hightower, like exactly like him, where he can he can go on the edge a little bit. He can rush from the interior. He's the athletic, um, not not huge, but still still a strong, stout linebacker who can, who can do a little bit of everything. And if you can get a guy like that at 15 and not have to move up and give out future ass, uh, assets, and maybe he comes in, learns, learns under Hightower for a year, I think that would be a great pick. And obviously, at the same time, you have the quarterback position where 
New England's set to go into the season with Cam Newton again, and I don't think anybody wants to see that for a full season. So there's so much they, they can do from, from 15. Yeah, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned Micah Parsons. He's kind of like my guy that I'm hoping slips to that that spot in 15. And if New England's not going to uh, trade around or move up or anything like that, I'm hoping that they would take a defensive player at that 15th overall selection. I think Micah Parsons actually has the potential, and this is obviously coming from someone who watched Penn State football last year without Micah Parsons. So I've never seen this guy play a game. But his reputation kind of precedes himself. You mentioned that he's got pretty good size. He's about 15 pounds lighter than Dante Hightower is right now, which 15 pounds in an NFL gym, I'm pretty sure you can put that on in the weight room over the course of your career at least. But his biggest, I would say he's got two negatives coming into this year's draft. The first negative is obviously that he didn't play last year. So not everybody is going to be able to get eyes on him at his most recent. He decided to sit the season out because of COVID-19. The second negative is one that's maybe a little overrated. I think, you know, unless you're dealing with a guy like Aaron Hernandez, a lot of times these stories are overrated, but maybe had some off the field attitude adjustment problems. Like there, there may not be the perfect personality fit for Micah Parsons in the locker room on day one, if he gets drafted by new England, that being said, if he's going to have someone like Dante Hightower who can kind of show him the ropes or even, you know, a coach like Gerard Mayo who can show him the ropes and mm-hmm. teach him how to be a leader. New England's going to have to take not just a good player at 15. They're going to have to pick a day one starter because Absolutely. there are still many holes on this team. And if they decide to go quarterback and, and they want to roll Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham or whoever else they may end up acquiring, uh, we could talk about other possible trades a little bit later on, but that first round pick, and again, we're assuming that they stay in the first round has to be a player that starts on day one. You know, I will say that they don't even necessarily have to be like a five year, 10 year play. Like if they just get one or two good years out of them so that they can transition into a little bit better of uh, a depth chart. I think that's, that's perfect. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. Yeah, and and the interesting thing about this class is similar to the last two classes, the wide receiver depth is incredible. So, like, you can get there in the top 15, there will probably be three or four wide receivers that go, um, and they'll all be at least projected to be uh, potential game-changing guys. And even, like I I had mentioned earlier, you're going to get some guys who have first-round level talent in this wide receiver class who – you're going to be able to get at the end of the first round, the second round, even mid second round. Um, And that's probably their biggest need on offense apart from quarterback. So if you can, if you can address that and maybe find a way to um, get your quarterback in either the second round or the first round, or even still through a trade, as you had mentioned, um, there's, there are a lot of different avenues the Patriots can go and they are set in such a good position where, they can kind of do anything and I wouldn't be mad unless they traded back and didn't get somebody who, uh, who they could absolutely fill in right away. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. How many picks do the Patriots have this year? I think it was 10 10? last I checked. Yeah. I know a lot of them are like in the fourth round, fifth round, uh, but there's going to be flexibility for them to move up, move down. Again, I am predicting that they're going to be moving up in the first round, whether it's up from 15 or back into the latter half of the first round, taking either their second round pick or future pick. Uh, 
and, and getting two players because if you look at the Patriots over the past, I mean, to say 25 years is probably making it a little too simple, but it's really just since the, uh, the ownership change, like since the crafts bought the team, anytime there has been a season in which their uh, expectations weren't necessarily met, there was a very quick turnaround, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was firing a coach or making a splash in free agency or moving around in the draft and taking a couple of players that's happened a couple of times, uh, you know, Belichick has done, there's always a response. And I would say, sure, their free agents, their run on free agency was a response, but I would say it's the first step because this team is still many, many, many steps away from being, I would even say competing for the division at this point. Like, look, Buffalo is a good team. Buffalo is going to be at the top. They were an AFC finalist, hang the banner if they want, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But they're a good team. And until you can prove to me that you have better players than they have, I I don't care who your coach is. So Buffalo's up at the top. Miami, we've been talking about Miami for a while now, how they continue to be getting better. Miami's going to have... two first round picks this year on top of the two first round picks that they had last year on top of the two first round picks that they're going to have next year. It like they're they're just going to be absolutely busting at the seams with talent. So long as they pick the right guys, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're talking about new England needing to take an impact player at 15 overall, well, Miami's going to be selecting at six overall, and then they're going to be taken at 18 overall. You don't think they're going to be able to take two players that are just as good, if not better than New England's single player taken. So they're going to be getting uh, better on, you know, if they wanted to go both sides of the ball, they could, but at least one side of the ball, they should theoretically be getting better. Mm -hmm. New England to me is still going to be the third team in the AFC East. Like until they, it's really a quarterback until they get a quarterback that can prove themselves worthy of completing a pass five yards down the field. Like I, I just don't see it. I don't see right. it. So, uh, that being said, if we were going to look at some of the other teams, picking second overall in this draft is uh, going to be the New York Jets. And it's almost a given that they're going to be going with uh, Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Zach Wilson is necessarily going to fail in New York, but if there was going to be one franchise that could screw up one of these like obvious slam dunk pick, like Trevor Lawrence, first overall, boom, off the board, Zach Wilson, second off the board, boom, off the board. Like, like we said, the draft doesn't start until number three. Mm I am just waiting for the jets to screw Zach Wilson up. And for him to then become the next Sam Darnold and just, it will make me mad because Zach Wilson was kind of like the guy that I wanted New England to draft however many months ago, like two or three months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, if the, if the pick doesn't land in New York, let's say that they take Zach Wilson and it doesn't hit, what does that do for the Patriots still having you know, maybe not the best quarterback situation, but a quarterback situation that they can leverage against other teams in the division. 
Oh, I still think uh, no. Even with the Jets adding a quarterback, I don't think that necessarily turns their team around. Um, as we saw last year, they were one of the worst teams in the league yet again, uh, as they tend to be. Uh, the Patriots, I think they 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 would be in a good position to. I look at it this way: and going into this draft, you're obviously the first two are out. We've already we've already discussed that. You're getting Lawrence and Wilson. And then following that, you have the option of people are saying Mac Jones at three. People are saying Trey Lance at three. People are saying Justin Fields at three. It's all over the place. Right. The, the Patriots in this draft are in, in a good position where they could move up and get one of those guys. If any of them fell, the only one falling to you at 15 would be Mac Jones. Like I, I don't see Justin Fields sneaking past ten. I don't, I don't see Trey Lance sneaking past ten because there are teams in uh, ahead of you that also need to grab quarterbacks. And the the wild card to me right now is, and it, this has been going back for a few weeks now since that trade of the third overall pick happened. Are you really going to ride into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo if right. you're San Francisco? Like, is that is that what the plan is? You're going to draft a quarterback third overall, let him sit again behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and yeah, it's worked in the past, but like, that's that's been their is, mo. Is that, that's... is that is that really what you're going to do? That's... Like, you you could get right now. I th- I think I would be willing to give up next year's first for Garoppolo. Ooh. So are are you willing to take the value of at least a second round pick? Let's say at least a second round pick. You're going to not take that back because you want to wait a year. And what's your ceiling with Garoppolo right now? If you're the 49ers and it seems to be that everybody thinks, oh, we can run this offense with CJ Beathard just the same. We can run this offense with Nick Mullins just the same. It's exactly the same thing. Kyle Shanahan's a, a, a quarterback guru. Um and you're not going to take the second round pick back. I, I just see, feel like that's hard to believe. And I, I, that's why I'm kind of still thinking that he ends up here. Mac Jones. No, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're, you're going to assume that yes, San Francisco is going to roll with a rookie quarterback on day one, mm-hmm. which is totally not what Kyle Shanahan is about. Like this, this is a guy who's about just don't turn the ball over. And that's why he's soured on Garoppolo. See, the one thing that does kind of bother me whenever people talk about an offense that's run with a quote-unquote system quarterback and a game manager, so to speak, there's one thing that a quarterback has to be able to do to have success in the NFL. One thing, my opinion. Third and 11, and you know the blitz is coming, can you make the throw? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily complete it, but can you make it? Can you get the ball to the guy, whether he's open or not, you can make that pass on third and 11 where, you know, they're sending five, six, seven guys possibly like that's what the difference is between a good college quarterback and an NFL quarterback. And mm-hmm. it is to be seen that a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones or really any of them can do that. We, right. we just we haven't seen it. And that's why it's such a crapshoot picking quarterbacks in the uh, in the draft, especially in the first round. Now, let's. Let's take a look at some of these other picks because, as you said, after three, when San Francisco makes their selection, and we're all assuming that they're going to go quarterback, there are about you know three to four teams ahead of the Patriots that could theoretically take quarterbacks as well with two quarterbacks that would be left on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are picking fourth overall. Mike, do you see Atlanta going quarterback in this draft in the first round? 
I don't just because uh, Matt Ryan's cap hit, if they were to move on from him anytime in like the next two or three years is like $60 million. So, so I, Oh, that might've actually been Julio Jones that never mind. Then I was going to say there, I heard something about him being traded post June one. Yeah, that was Julio Jones. I saw Julio that this morning. Jones. Yeah. All right. Um, but, but they, that could be a team where people are saying Kyle Pitts is the best prospect in this draft, like mm. the best football player. If you add Kyle Pitts to this offense with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and just on top Todd of Todd, Gurley. On top, right on top of <laughs> <laughs> he's still a free agent. Yeah. Like you, there's all this talent out there. And I mean, Atlanta's got to get over the hump some point, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You can't, there's no, really very few places to go, but up when you're four and 12. Uh, all right. So you're thinking they'll probably hold off on quarterback. Cincinnati's obviously not going to take a quarterback. Miami could, but the chances are very slim. Like I said, they, they could easily end up getting the second or, or third best player or the first best defensive player in this draft. If they stay at six, the Detroit lions are interesting at seven. They did trade away Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams. They got Jared Goff back in the trade. So in theory, you have a, starting quarterback kind of Mm -hmm. on your team. I don't necessarily know if Detroit's in full rebuild mode. They do have a new head coach. Uh, Did they change the general manager as well? Like, are they totally different out in Detroit now? I feel like they did. Either way, they're going to be looking to change their identity somewhat. So going quarterback could definitely be a, a move for them. Uh, what do you think Detroit does here in the first round with, with the needs that they have and, and the players that should be available? Would you predict that they go quarterback or would you predict they go elsewhere? I still think they go out elsewhere. Again, this is another situation where you have a quarterback with a pretty high cap hit and that's why they were given a first round pick to take him on. Um, you lost Kenny Galladay in free agency. You you need a wide receiver now. You need a number one wide receiver. And again, this is a position where I think Miami, who we just had just discussed, I think they take a wide receiver, and I think I think Detroit takes a wide receiver. I think they both go and get two of the best guys, probably either Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. Throw in any of those guys, and I think you are starting to build something there. Um, it really it really does depend on whether or not you think it's a complete rebuild there. And I don't think they think that just yet. Yeah. Now, now I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, let's just do this. The Bengals are going to take Panay Sewell, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna they're gonna take the best offensive lineman available. All right. So we've yeah. got two, we've got three quarterbacks taken, a tight end, an offensive tackle, two wide receivers. We get to the Carolina Panthers at eight. There's still two good quarterbacks available. Mm-hmm. Carolina is another one of these teams that's been rumored to possibly be trading down if their guy was not there or if they could theoretically get their guy later on. Um, They did acquire Sam Darnold from the Jets during the offseason. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable going forward with Sam Darnold as the one number one guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, is he still on the roster in Carolina? Yeah, so I, I don't necessarily know why they wouldn't want to go with with him or Darnold. So I don't see Carolina taking a quarterback here. Uh, but again, people that are smarter than me, that know more than me, have linked them to quarterbacks. So uh, what do you think, Mike? you think they go QB? Yeah, I think this is an interesting situation because I do think that they have – this is going to be the first spot where it's like this is a team that 
very well could trade back if they feel comfortable with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. And it also depends on which quarterback falls to them. So if San Francisco goes with Mac Jones, like everybody thinks they're going to, and Justin Fields is there at eight, I think that's a great value there. And then you have a guy who can start the beginning of the season, Sam Darnold. If you, if he catches fire, you you're able to trade him at some point during the season and now, now you have this rookie that's, who can who can go out and, and fulfill the rest of your needs for the rest of the season and beyond. So Carolina is interesting. I think they can go a bunch of different ways. Um, and, and they they could literally do anything. It's, it's another one of those teams. But I think I do end up – I do think they're going to end up trading down because I think someone's going to come calling. And I think it's going to be a team like – like New England or or the Giants who who need to move up just a few picks to, to make sure that they get one of their guys. Yeah, the Giants Giants are definitely going to be a tricky team. Uh, the Cowboys as well. I, every mock that I've seen has them taking a player in the secondary, whether it's Sertan if he's still there or J.C. Horn if he's there. Uh, a couple of players that were also kind of linked to the Patriots. It, it seems as though if they don't go quarterback, they're definitely going to go defense. Um one of the more interesting players in this draft is actually uh, Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who's the wide receiver, or one of the wide receivers at the University of Alabama. Very controversial in terms of his, you say frame. Yeah. The guy is six feet tall, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But he measured in, I think at the pro day, at 166 pounds. I'm five foot eight and I weigh 170 pounds. <laughs> And I could not play in the NFL. The, the interesting thing about Devontae Smith to me is, is how he's built, though. He's got like a very short, stubby core and then these limbs that are super long. So it's kind of deceiving how his weight is distributed. Like he's not one of these big, tall, lanky guys that is going to run over the middle, catch a ball and get split in half by a linebacker or a safety. Right. Like I do think he can play at the next level very consistently. Mm-hmm. whether he's going to be a top five, top 10 pick, who knows? Um, if he slipped to 15, I would certainly be happy and satisfied with the Patriots getting him. He's probably one of the lone uh, offensive players that I could see them drafting that I would be happy with. That's a non quarterback. The other one really only being Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, but Devonte Smith is another one of these like linchpins, like, is somebody going to take a chance on him? Just like, is somebody going to take a chance on Trey Lance early or Justin Fields earlier than, than possible? So it, it really is going to swing based off of that Carolina pick because when you look at the rest of these teams, I mean, Denver, are they going to take a quarterback? They might, but they have so many other needs as well. Dallas, we said, probably going to take defensive player. The Giants probably going to take, you know, a, a defensive player or someone that can help out in the offensive line. The Eagles, so the Eagles were the team that traded back from six overall to 12 for uh, the only reason I think, in, I think it as like a, an Eagles fan would think probably because they don't want to screw up the pick too early. Like at least <laughs> if they screw up the pick in, in like the teens, it's not going to look as bad if they screw it up in the top 10. I like that take. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, that was the first thing that I saw from the Eagles fans. They were like, well, at least we can't screw it up that bad now. Uh, Does a team have a more negative image to their fan base right oh, now than the Eagles? Un- I'm not sure if they do. 
But like a, a perfect, this is a perfect team where what's a need that they have wide receiver. What's something that they've screwed up the last two years wide receiver. So nobody trusts them picking a receiver. They're going to end up with, again, one of these like no name offensive linemen that, that people haven't heard of, or, uh, you know, someone that's just going to help out as like a, a role player. They never address their actual needs. Um, yeah, Mike. New England's going to have a chance to take a quarterback. Like they are, it is going to be up to them. And I think they're going to have their say at who they want, because I don't know if Mac Jones is necessarily the best fit for the Patriots. Um, I know everybody's been saying that he's kind of like a, a Tom Brady clone because he gets rid of the ball quickly and he diagnoses defense. Well, guess what? There's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that do that. Not all of them are Tom Brady. <laughs> Not all of them are Tom Brady. Exactly. So if you had your pick between Justin Fields and Trey Lance, for the next 10 years, who would you take? I think going into it right now, I think Justin Fields. And it's really strictly because of two things. One of them being that Trey Lance hasn't played football in really a full year for the most part. He played one game. Um, and he also played at North Dakota state, right. which where you, you'll never find a bigger Carson Wentz guy than me. Um, but it's also led to Easton stick. And some of these other guys who are like, these are, these are it's quarter quarterback powerhouse in North Dakota state. And they've produced one guy who's been up and down throughout his career. So that that is really what's holding me back on Trey Lance. I like his physical skills. I I like his what he did at his pro day against air, but it was <laughs> he he is impressive. But Justin Fields has gone out and he's shown that he's a competitor. He's played while he's clearly been injured, as we saw in the college football playoffs last season. Um, and he just seems like a winner. He can do a little bit more. This is a situation where if you bring him in. I personally am am always a fan of starting a quarterback right away. I don't want guys to sit. Wow, that that's that's just me, and wow. I have I have there no is not a lot of data to back that take <laughs> up. I have no basis on that other than I want to see what this guy can do when he gets in the game, and I, I want to see what he's like leading the team from the second he enters to to the second he decides to leave. But for a guy who does have a lot of athleticism and you are in a position where you have Cam Newton who may not be able to do it anymore athletically, but I'm sure he could teach it athletically. And maybe this is something where you have him in Cam Newton gets the first few starts and we see Cam sucks. Cause we know what's going to happen in this scenario. Yeah. And a few games in kind of like you saw with Miami last season, the rookie comes in and takes over. And, and you you make your run. Hopefully a better result than what Tua had at the beginning of last season. But I I think I think you got to go Justin Fields if he's available because he, he just seems like a, a guy who can win, has the skills, and he, he, can, he can turn this team around in a few years, I think. I, I, I always like looking at the player comparables on any of these, like, prospect rankings or analysis pages. So on the NFL's official page – for their draft uh, tracker, for their prospects. I clicked on Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields. And 
they they're they're close in terms of their grades. Uh, they they graded Trey Lance at like a six four seven, and Justin Fields is at a six four five. Basically, saying that they expect both of them to be uh, like a starter within the first couple of seasons, at, at the very least. So it might take some time for them to to learn the game a little bit more, but they're getting there. Mm-hmm. For the comparables, they had. Josh Allen and Dak Prescott. And I won't necessarily say which one they had for each quarterback because I don't, I don't necessarily know if if you could decipher. But if you were given the opportunity, not contract-wise, just skill-wise, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen for this Patriots offense, who would you want? Uh, based off of just skill set alone, and this is a little tough because Josh Allen came into his own this year and Dak Prescott got hurt this year so right. it's a little a little bit tougher to, to to decipher but i think i would rather go with josh allen's skill set why he's just got that bigger arm but at the same I, see now just, now i'm contradicting myself because at the same time he also does make a lot of stupid mistakes at inopportune times it's i'm still not completely sold on josh allen like josh allen is going to have to show me more than 16 games of well, cut him some slack more than 24 games of quality football because it's the second half of his rookie year he got better or Mm -hmm. second half of two last year two years ago i don't even know where we are now uh dak prescott to me just seems like he's got those and it could just be the name it's that intangible thing like that leadership quality and i don't think Mm -hmm. they're necessarily comparing him to dak prescott based on his leadership quality but if I were going to choose between the two quarterback prospects, I think I would want Trey Lance just for the, the unknown upside. But if I had Mm -hmm. to choose between the NFL quarterbacks, give me Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott on this team is probably better than Josh Allen would be on this team. I think I agree. And I think Belichick views it that way where he would rather take a guy who can lead, do a lot of, do a lot of things different. Maybe doesn't have the, the top end arm talent, or he's not six seven, um, but he can do the intermediate stuff really well and can handle some of the mental aspects a little bit uh, well. I think that's exactly how Belichick would view it too. So I I I don't know if he'd be willing to take a shot. We've seen it time and time again. Like he would rather have a guy who can. Uh, set the edge on the run than a guy who can go and get 18 sacks a season mm. um, or a guy who can uh, he'll, he'll pick up 7.6 yards per reception um, uh, rather than the guy who can get 35 catches at 19 yards per reception. It's like right. you, you can see that he, he wants an all around guy. And I think Justin Fields is closer to the all around guy than Trey, than Trey Lance right now. And again, a lot of it is to do with he's only had a few games on tape. We haven't seen a whole lot. And again, it's against lesser competition talent. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I also love the idea that he's only 20 years old. Like you could, part. you could in theory, if you really wanted to, you could sit this guy for three years mm-hmm. and let him learn for three years. And he'd still be just the same age that Brady was when he, you know, came in in 2001. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of, of luxury. The, I think the worst thing you could do with Trey Lance is trade up for him. And I, that's why I don't necessarily think that the 49ers are going to take him. Um, 
man, it's 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 a tough call though. It really is a tough call. How the do you, thing is is with any of these quarterbacks, I'm not going to be mad at any of them. So that's what going to be my question. How would you feel if New England was just like, ah, we don't really have a preference. We'll just take whoever's left over. Kind of like how they handled free agency last year. Yeah, uh, this uh, I think that there are enough talented quarterbacks, and you've built a start of a pretty solid offense where you could continue to add on and you can find a wide receiver again in the second round, or you can find them in the free agency next year, whatever you want to do. I think that these guys are talented enough where they can all be at least like playoff quarterbacks. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be Super Bowl contenders or if one of them is going to win six rings, but I do think they all have the talent of a guy who could get to you to a playoff scenario. All right. Any final thoughts on the quarterback position, either for New England or prospects in general? I know there's some draft prospects we didn't even get into as far as like second round guys, third round guys, like any, any, any takes on those guys? I don't, Hope, I hope they don't wait for the second round guy. Yeah, me too. I, I, re- I really hope that they don't they don't do that because um, I'm not really sold on any of those guys. And I think exactly what we mentioned before is this draft, it does start at three, but for like 60% of the league, it starts at eight with Carolina. Yeah. Yep. Because if they decide not to take a quarterback, then it gets really interesting. And now you have potentially three of the quarterbacks who everybody projected to be gone in the top 10 are still left at like nine and 10. Absolutely. And then you can slide from there. Yeah. There, there's look Thursday is going to have movement and, and hopefully at, more at, ways than one. I was going to say <laughs> at home too. Yeah. Uh, so Let's all right. Then let's take a look at the Patriots roster. They filled a lot of holes through free agency that they they absolutely had to. They picked up a couple of wide receivers, like we talked about. This is their depth chart at receiver. Not in any particular order, but Nikhil Harry, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Gunnar Olszewski. Those are the names that we've heard of. Isaiah Zuber, Christian Wilkerson, <laughs> Devin Smith. And we don't count Matthew Slater. Mm-hmm. So they need a receiver. Absolutely. Whether or not they're going to draft a receiver, that's to be determined. Uh, if they went receiver in the second round or third round or whatever, I don't know how familiar you are with the receiving prospects in this year's draft past, you know, the Smith, Chase, Waddles. Is there anyone that you've heard of or you think may be a, a, a good kind of uh, Patriot selection that would fit with this team, kind of like what they look for in a, in a receiver? Uh, this is because of what the Patriots typically look for. It's a little bit tougher because I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily – I'll give you one. If – if they were to look for one specifically like they and everything do everything type guy, it would be Rondell Moore from Purdue. Okay. Like I, I feel like he's going to be the guy that, and to me, the, the problem is, is his comparable is like Tavon Austin. Which, Ooh, he's which, a tiny guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's the thing is like, he can, he can do a lot of different things, but he's a very small and I'm not necessarily looking for that in this in this offense right now. I would be looking for a guy like 
this is a guy who's gone like back of the first round, mid second round. He's been all the way in there. Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU, a six four wide receiver. Like you're, if you can get me a big guy who can who can still uh, actually catch the ball, unlike some big guys who we have drafted in recent years who cannot catch the ball, I'd be okay with that. Rashad Bateman, who's been around from Minnesota, I would be okay with that. There's a bunch of different wide receivers. Again, this is this is a draft where you can go out and you can find Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, who's a guy who didn't really produce a ton because he was in a bad offense. But he has a lot of the talent, a lot of the skills that maybe could translate if he's put in a system that maybe opens things up a little bit more for him and maybe has a quarterback that doesn't throw the ball at his feet every time. The, the one thing that I've heard about the Patriots, anytime they're looking at receiver and, and you got to take it with a grain of salt because they haven't been good at, at drafting that position. They just, they haven't, mm-hmm. they always look for athletes, physical freaks at that position, guys who are really fast guys who have, you know, exceptional strength. They're never actually looking at a player who is the one they end up with because I don't think that they necessarily they would have drafted a guy like Chris Hogan very high or Danny right. Amendola or, you know, Dion Branch was was a second round pick, but this was a guy who not just had physical skills, he was also a very good receiver. Like he he knew the routes to run and and that's just stuff you don't get at the college game because they throw up a picture of Daffy Duck and that's the route that they're supposed to run. And if they're faster than the guy they're lined up across, it's just probably just going to be a nine route. And, you know, so there's, there's less nuances to the receiving game in, in college than the NFL. Right. I don't know if you're going to be able to judge somebody's football intelligence at the wide receiver position. And that may be the reason why they've had so much trouble from it. Um. I've always been a big fan of them acquiring their wide receiver talent as kind of like NFL veterans. So, you know, if they can play in the league or not, Mm -hmm. but there's just so much upside on a lot of these guys that if they slip to that third round where you've got two picks, you got to take a chance. I mean, you can't just stay away from a position altogether because you haven't had success in drafting it. That this is a, a thought that I've seen thrown around, uh, specifically on 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 radio here in, in Boston, is that even if they were in a position to take a wide receiver in the first round, people don't want them to, because they're afraid that they're going to mess it up again. I do think that Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith are kind of like can't miss prospects. Like right. That they are to me the uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, drawing a blank on who else went last year in the first there was another guy from was it alabama that went early or lsu that went early? oh are you talking about uh, like like the cd lambs or yeah um... yeah yeah cd cd lamb justin jefferson the guy that they took out in uh Henry las vegas Ruggs. yep rugs like those were prospects that it was really difficult to miss on mm-hmm and Justin Jefferson was like the fifth wide receiver taken in that yeah. draft. But he's obviously the first one that you think of. Right. Guy's a beast. Offensive line. Belichick loves himself some offensive linemen. Belichick loves himself some offensive linemen that you don't need to take in the first two rounds, which mm-hmm. kind of defeats the purpose of an offensive line because I think in the NFL, you either get it or you don't. 
it's very rare that you'll have somebody like Marcus Cannon who comes in and struggles for a little bit and then finally like figures out how to play the position. Like you are either strong enough to go up against Aaron Donald, smart enough to go up against JJ Watt or, or you just, you're not. Mm -hmm. So they could take an offensive lineman. They'll probably end up taking an offensive lineman. Their starters seem to be set, whether it's uh, Trent Brown at left tackle, right tackle, Michael Luenu at right tackle or, or guard. Uh, bringing back David Andrews was huge. Signing Ted Karras as, for flexibility is, is a good thing. Uh, I don't necessarily see them going high with their offensive tackle pick, so probably or offensive line pick. So it would probably be difficult for me to ask you to pick one specific guy. But if you were going to pick a specific position, would you rather see them go tackle, interior, or center? Are we talking first round or just in general? Uh, in the draft. If they were going to take one offensive lineman in this draft, which spot on the offensive line would you like to see them kind of make an investment in? I think tackle only because they are – in a position where, yes, you have Trent Brown, and I think when he re-signed, I think it was just a one-year deal, I think, that he when he redid his sure contract when he came yeah. over. And then you have Isaiah Wynn, who hasn't necessarily lived up to his first-round potential, although when he plays, he looks pretty good. The problem is he's been injured so often that you don't really get to see that all all, all too frequently. Um, this is going to be his fourth year in the league, right? So who's uh, was it 2018 draft? Yeah, so this will be his fourth year. So, and this so will be, now they yeah. have to make a decision on their on his fifth round option. Right. This this is a time where if you can get again, not, not that no one's ever anybody's going to get excited for a tackle in the first round, but if you can if you can get a guy like Sewell or Slater or one of these guys falls to you, I don't want you to move up to necessarily get a tackle. But if one of these guys falls to you and you think, hey, this is a guy who could be a franchise left tackle for the next 10, 15 years, let's bring him in. I wouldn't be upset with that. Like I, they, this is a, this is a time where there's going to be changeover a tackle, whether, whether you re you, whether you sign one of them or resign none of them, there's going to be an open spot. So you have to start thinking about that. And what's different between the offensive line positions is, you don't see guards going in the first round. You don't see centers going in the first round. Hell, the Patriots find centers at stop and shop every time. Then they find their right guards playing. They find their guards playing. Uh, they do wrestling at some random school. Like they, they find these guys all over the place. So you this isn't an investment that you need to make in a center position. And they have that kind of secure for the next four years. I think you have Onwenu secure if you can keep him as a guard. I think he's going to be a very good one. And Shaq Mason's is making a ton of money. So you have a couple of situations where you're pretty much set, but that tackle position is going to be the one position where you don't really know what could happen in the next year or two. Yeah. I mean, it, there's uncertainty with Trent Brown, just based on the background of the player, the motivation <laughs> of the player. Yeah. Uh, you don't necessarily know what you're getting yet. I mean, he said that when he played in new England a couple of years ago, it was the most fun he ever had playing football. And it was also, probably the hardest he ever had to work. So hopefully that carries over with or without Dante Scarnacchia motivating him. Um, but I think that they're going to have to start looking at the that right guard position. They're going to have to start the process of replacing Shaq Mason. 
you know, I, I just think that they're going to look at him as one of those you'd rather be a year too early than a year too late. And if they can free up money somewhere and they have somebody that they can fill in and play that position, like, do you really need to be paid? What's he, what's he making? Like $9 million a year, $10 million a year. I think it's right around there. If yeah. He's up there. Do you really need to be paying a right guard that much money? If your quarterback is not, you know, Tom Brady. Right. I guess, I guess it really does depend on what they end up doing with quarterback. And that kind of decides, like, I, I really hope by the, by the 15th pick, either through trade or through drafting, they have decided what they're doing at quarterback because that will play out the rest of the rest of your, how you, how you decide your offensive lineman, how you decide to go on from there. Tight end. They added a lot of tight ends during free agency by a lot. I mean, two, but they were the best too. So <laughs> you got to figure they're not going to draft a tight end, especially because they drafted a couple of tight ends last year and it didn't work out so well. So uh, would you even think about drafting a tight end this year? No, I, I wouldn't even think about it. You'll probably keep three or four on the roster, and maybe Dalton Keene squeaks in as like the fullback, tight end-ish guy that each back role. Um, th- this is not a position you need, you need to go uh, address again. You paid crazy money for two talented, maybe overpaid for two talented tight ends that – could potentially change your offense and you don't need to go waste more draft capital on failing to draft the tight ends. Yeah. If, if there was going to be a guy that I would want them to, you know, think about getting in the second round, third round, if he slips, uh, this guy, Pat Fryermouth, Muth, 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 Mouth, Fryermouth. He's from Massachusetts. Hey. Yeah. So he, uh, I remember last year or two years ago, he was kind of like the big hype. He was supposed to be Kyle Pitts, and then Kyle Pitts ended up being Kyle Pitts. But he was supposed to be that next like Gronkowski level tight end who could, he could block, he could line up in the seam, he could line up outside. The problem with him is he's not really that consistent of a catcher in traffic. Uh, which when you're running routes in the middle of the field, usually the ball is going to be thrown into traffic. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, sure. If Kyle Pitts fall to or fell to 15, yeah, take him. But right. if this the- guy's available in the second or third round and one of the other players that, you know, you may have wanted has been taken already, I could see them taking a, taking a shot at it. But yeah, I mean, to invest in, in two tight ends in free agency and then draft another one and then have two others that you've drafted, you're, basically going to become the new Chicago Bears. Exactly. And you'll have seven tight ends and none of them will do anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, running back. I think Damian Harris has pretty much solidified himself as the top back. And uh, Sony Michelle is going to be a good backup. He can give you some honest carries. I think maybe a lesser workload will be a good thing for him because mm-hmm. we may be able to see some explosiveness out of him. And James White, they re-signed James White. I was not expecting them to do that. Uh, so they're probably going to be looking at a pass catching back. If they decide to go running back this year, there's probably going to be some options available. Like, uh, again, I don't want them to go crazy and draft one of the high guys like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. I think they can probably swing someone in the fourth round, fifth round. This to me seems like it's going to be one of those drafts where the running back's just not going to be valued. Mm -hmm. And the Patriots always crush that pick. It's, it's when they kind of have to reach for a guy that it sort of falls flat on their face, like 
Sony Michelle or right. Lawrence Maroney. Uh, so if they were going to take a running back, is there a guy that you would want them to take again? I really only know of the top two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, actually, you know what? Now that I'm looking at the list, North Carolina has a couple of guys that are pretty good. They actually, I forget which one it was, but somebody set the record for rushing yards in a game this year in the ACC, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember which one it was, and I think it was from North Carolina. Uh, Javante Williams, Michael Carter. I know that the kid from Buffalo, who's a, you know, Buffalo powerhouse Bachelor. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, he's, yeah, he's supposed to be like a sixth or seventh round pick, Jared, Jared Patterson. He had that, that insane game against Kent State. It was like 410 yards and eight touchdowns. It was insane. Um, if, if you were looking for like an, an early guy, maybe second, third round early, because uh, you're not direct, taking one in the first round this year. Um, the kid from Memphis, Kenny Gainwell, who didn't play last year, but was very, very good in his first season. He uh, had 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns just on the ground, added another 51 receptions for 600 yards and three touchdowns through the air. This is a guy who can be a little bit of a do-it-all back. Um, you also have some other options later on. This is going to be a guy who I think Belichick's going to fall in love with is in the – Later rounds, I've seen him go anywhere fifth, sixth uh, in mock drafts. Demetric Felton from UCLA. He's a wide receiver slash running back, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, he He's going to be a guy who, if you can get him to stay consistent, uh, the thing is he, he moved around the offense so much. He was a guy who played at literally every position. Yeah, the guy's moved around so much, I don't even see him on the prospect list. <laughs> He's a guy. Go. I think some places have him listed as a, as a wide receiver, and some places have listed as a running back. Um, he I mean, he rushed for a thousand yards, had six touchdowns. This he he's kind of all over the place, but he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick uh, takes like a little fifth, sixth round flyer on a guy who can who we can make a matchup problem uh, all over the field. Oh yeah, you know he would love to do that. <laughs> Defense. Again, this was a, a position, kind of, that they addressed during free agency. Edge rusher, Matt Judon, they obviously signed him to a big contract, and we've still got Chase Winovich, but they seem to be lacking on the edge. I don't necessarily know if they want to go down lineman or stand-up linebacker, uh, what the scheme they're going to run is, because they, like, they've got some fat guys up front. Like Lawrence Guy is a pretty solid defensive lineman. They acquired God Chow. They acquired Henry Anderson. Uh, but again, that's another position that Belichick drafts very well mm-hmm. is that linebacker type defensive tackle defensive line. Like he's good there. So right. I would say it, the possibility should be on the board that at 15 or again, if he decides to draft or trade back into the first round, like he may take one of these edge guys or a fatty on the defensive line. And if that's the case, uh, I know that there's a guy from Alabama. I think it's the defensive tackle bear Barmore, Barmore or something like that. From what I've heard of him, he seems like he would be the perfect Patriot. Yeah. Christian Barmore, this guy right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect Patriot red shirt, sophomore, six, four, three, 10, 10 inch hands. 
NFL comparison, Marcel Darius, like that's exactly what New England's looking for. That big body who can, you know, cover the gaps. He can take on double teams. He's going to be strong enough where he's not going to be moved off the line very easily. Uh, that's the type of guy that I could see them going after. But again, like he's going to be a top 15, top 20 player to get. So, yeah, that that's a position that the Patriots have looked to upgrade. Um, you, you look back as far as that Dominic Easley pick, like they want a guy and this guy, if you're comparing to Marcel Darius, to me, I think of Marcel Darius is like a, he is solid in that, that two gap role, but he's also like more of a four, three guy. Well, he can, ex- he's explosive and where he can get some, at least penetrate and maybe not, maybe he doesn't have the sack numbers, but he can push a guy out to the, to the edges. Um, if, if, if you can get a defensive tackle like that, cause that's what they're missing right now on this, on this team, they had brought in a couple defensive tackles and you bring back a guy like Lawrence guy and you lose out on Adam Butler, who was supposed to be that role. And yeah, what happened can, to Bo Allen? We don't, we don't want to talk about the ghost of Bo Allen. <laughs> no one ever saw him. No one ever saw him. Um, you have all you have all these uh, you have this 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 opening here um, for a explosive interior defensive lineman. There's not many in this draft class. Like this draft class is specifically known for not having a ton of great defensive linemen. Um, that could be a position where. If, if your guys are gone and you, and you think that you can get a guy who will make an immediate impact from a position uh, a position that Belichick loves and from a college that Belichick respects from the coaching tree of Nick Saban, like th- there's a lot of things that you can put together and say this is a guy who's like a perfect Belichick guy. There is literally one person that I want the Patriots to draft. That's it. I, I like one unless they could get like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. I can't say there's one one person that would be available to them for sure at 15 that I would love for them to draft. And I don't know if he's going to be any good. I think he is. I hope he is. Uh, and that's Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher from Michigan. Wow. <laughs> for no other reason than the fact that he went to Hendricken and he's from Rhode Island. Okay, fair. fair. <laughs> because, like, listen, I know that New England has kind of had their heart set on Michigan edge rusters each of the last two drafts mm-hmm. because of the scheme that their defense plays. The problem is their defense sucks. Right. Like, the team's not very good. So just because they play the scheme that you want them to play in the NFL, they did it in college, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if they were going to take another edge rusher from Michigan, that would, that would be kind of overkill. I don't think right. it's going to happen, but it's not that difficult to see this guy play. I mean, he went to a school that you're very familiar with. He grew up in your backyard, so it's not that difficult to drive down the road and see him play. So, uh, I mean, he is a first round talent. He's compared to Emmanuel Ogba. So I don't necessarily know if I would take that in the first round, but, <laughs> but Again, if they're going to take somebody that's not like a top-end prospect, I'd love for them to take Quiddy Pay. I would get a Quiddy Pay jersey yesterday. I'll buy you one. If they draft Quiddy Pay, I'll buy you a Quiddy Pay jersey. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, uh, it'll be at your door the first second he's on the he's on the team. It'll are you, be order? Are you, I will tweet it out. Follow along with the draft. Follow us for our draft stuff. I'm. I are you, will 100% order it right away. Are you not a Quiddy Pay guy? No, I, I just, I would love to see you happy. I'm just happy for you. 
I look, I just don't, I don't know anything about him other than <laughs> the f- small things that I mentioned. It's like, there are guys that you have to link yourself to in the draft mm-hmm. process that just become your guy. Yeah. And then they have the career and you can kind of like follow along no matter where they end up. Like, uh, who was it that I was really big fan of? It, it was a quarterback that never ended up even playing. Um, Oh, me a team a or a school. Uh, let me see if I can get it. It was, it was an Ohio State quarterback. JT Barrett. No. It was the guy that actually Terrell Pryor. Because mm. I was, good. I was he yeah uh, well didn't end up playing quarterback in the NFL. Longest rushing touchdown in quarterback history. Does he really? I think so. I'm pretty sure it was like 98 yards. <laughs> wow. We ended up playing wide receiver in the NFL, but that was a guy who I was like interested in watching. Like, yeah, I think he ended up doing like the. Uh, supplementary draft. That's how he ended up getting into the league. Mm-hmm. Like, but that was a guy that I saw in college. And I was like, oh, he's kind of exciting, but nobody wanted him as a quarterback. So I was like, he's a freak athlete. Why wouldn't you want him on your right. team? Uh, there's, there's just always going to be a guy in, in each year. So this year for me, it's Quiddy Pay. Sounds good. Uh, like I said, that jersey will be on your doorstep first <laughs> first day I find out the number. Uh, all right. To close things out. Well, no, not to close things out, but to close things out on defense, the secondary. Secondary, not necessarily a position of immediate need for the Patriots, uh, but one that they're probably going to want to look at. They're getting a little long in the tooth at safety with Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips is not a you know, second or third year player. Uh, and then at corner, it's obvious. You've got two guys that have one year left on their contracts, and behind them, Jonathan Jones is a quality player, but he's not a number one corner. He's anything. He's going to be a good nickelback for you. Mm -hmm. So the secondary is going to be a position of need, I think, in this draft. And if they're going to be taking cornerbacks or safeties, is are there any guys that you think they could target? Like, I think 15 could definitely be a, a place where if somebody slips, you know, they could they could grab someone in the secondary at 15. Yeah, 15. Like, I, I have uh, the CBS mock draft up right now. 15, they have J.C. Horn going 15. So, I think there's a legit – there are legitimate chances. I think Patrick Sertan probably will be end, end up being the first cornerback taken, and he'll probably be in that 10 range. And then wherever chips fall, J.C. Horn's going to end up being right around there. And I think he could be a legitimate guy. South Carolina, another South Carolina guy, mm-hmm. following Stephon Gilmore. Maybe he comes in if Gilmore plays this year. They – I'm sure they have some sort of connection because that seems to be the way with all NFL players and they're all alma maters. Um, this, I, I, they, they, they do need to address cornerback. And uh, I said that at the beginning, I think those two guys would be, would be perfect examples. I personally would love to see Asante Samuel Jr. in here because I am say. such a big fan of Asante Samuel Sr. Yep. Um, that would be just an awesome story. And uh, uh, I would love to see that happen. Uh, but, uh, th- yeah, that's the position they need to draft. I'm not too familiar with the safety position in this draft. I don't think it's all that great um, from what I've – the fact that I haven't really heard too much about it makes it seem that way. Um, and maybe it's because safety is kind of like the well, – Safety is an interesting position because if you're if you're like an elite safety, you're, right. you're going to be like a uh, – everybody knows about you. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like – it's kind of a quiet position, right? It can it's, be a it, quiet position. Exactly. So, and, and where they are right now, where, yes, you have McCordy for a year, you have Duggar, maybe you're starting to get some guys up. Who knows what they end up, 
the interesting part is they have Juwan Williams, who they drafted two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Two years ago? Three years ago? Two years, two ago? years ago. Two years ago. Has played almost no cornerback. Almost none. Does he end up being a guy that you make him uh, move him to safety? He maybe is a, fits a little bit better in that role. And then you move Duggar to what he did more of in college as more of the free safety position. And then you have two potentially interesting safety combinations. So I don't think it's as pressing of a need. And with the amount of talent that I'm not hearing about in this draft, I don't think that's maybe that's something they go after in the first couple rounds. Maybe they find that later on in the draft. Um, but I do think they need to address cornerback pretty soon. It tip, typically in, in the defenses that the Patriots have run out over the last couple of decades, their safeties do two things really well. They tackle and they run. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Right. Like that's that's really it. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't have that like ball hawking guy that stays out in the second. Day. Like they've got the get the fuck back guy. Right. They Just, have Deron Hartman. <laughs> exactly. They well, yeah, he was a pretty much a ball hawk. He was the closer. Yeah, uh, I mean he he was a guy. He played center field for the New England Patriots. <laughs> can Joan Williams tackle? Can Joan Williams run? I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. We have we haven't seen we saw a little bit of him on, I think it was Miami. Was it the Miami game last year? He was on Gasecki. It was one game early on when he was on a tight end. Well, I think he played a he lot of slot okay. early in the season. Like, well, and that's what he that's what they said he was gonna be. At six foot three? Yeah, that's the thing that was crazy. He was gonna he was gonna be a six three slot corner, <laughs> is what they were saying. It's insane. He and his his mold is a safety. And if you can move him to that position where maybe speed Yes, yeah, speed is important for uh, like a free safety most of the time. A strong safety, like you can you can maybe give up a little bit of speed if you're gonna lay the hammer down on somebody. Yeah. And at that size, that's what you should be able to do. All right, now we've got the last position of possible oh, yeah. need. They drafted one last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Navy guy, he's job for life. Uh, kicker. I don't think they're going to take a kicker. Like they they brought back Nick Folk and they've got Roberto Aguayo as oh, a backup yeah. kicker. <laughs> Look, they're in a great you, position. Right when now. when when you invest a fifth round pick on a kicker that wasn't even tabbed to, he might have been tapped to get drafted. But the best kicker in the draft was Blankenship, and he didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know how kicking works in the draft anymore. I just I don't. Right. I guess if they wanted to go up and target a kicker, fine. But look, do you think they're going to take one? I don't think they're going to take one. I think you should have learned your lesson from last year. Nick Folk was great. Was was good last year. He he was he was solid. He was fine. Maybe you run in another season of that, and again you have. Former second round pick Roberto Aguayo. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You want to talk about guys who are overdrafted? Oh yeah. Bust. Um, you you have you have him that you can keep on the practice squad or whatever. Uh, you end up doing that is. I was so mad at that pick last season, because again you had guys Rodrigo Blankenship, Tyler Bast, guys who at least we were familiar with. And you're not really usually familiar with kickers, like in you're the not, draft. You're not watching a lot of Marshall games, Mike. I I, I feel like I should be, but I haven't. Or been. You, you didn't listen to any URI games before that. 
<laughs> no, no, thankfully I wasn't. But uh, Bill Belichick he wants a guy who can kick in the weather and a guy who was like 70% at URI was, was the guy <laughs> he wanted to go with apparently. <laughs> but you just have all these better options and 90% of kickers are going undrafted. Like I, that's yeah. just a made up number, but I, I would just assume that I you get 90% a, of your kickers are undrafted. I think that's a safe number. Nine, like nine, every, 90. Yeah. Every year we hear this guy came in from this soccer league. This guy is being brought in from some viral video he had on YouTube. And like, you'll just find random guys. Young Wei Koo, who is the Falcons kicker was a trick shot guy on YouTube. <laughs> And yeah. and he was one of the better kickers last season. Yeah. I mean, it, it took a little while for Young Ho to finally latch on to a team. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he started off with the Chargers, right? And then I Patriots so. kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. Patriots brought him in for a little bit. Like, they gave him a little bit of work to do. And then he finally landed in, in Atlanta and has had success there. Kicking is a very underappreciated part of the game. I think... It's been a position, though, that the Patriots have valued for a right. long time. Like, this is even before Belichick, they value mm-hmm. the kicking position because it is, in many ways, it's a scoring position. It's how you get points. It's how you win games. So if you've got a crap kicker, you're not doing yourself any favors. Now, do I think they're going to draft a kicker? No. But I would not be surprised if they do. I think they would learn their lesson and take him in the seventh round. They've got so many picks past the fifth round this year that I don't, I just don't see them going standard typical position. I think there's always going to be one wild card in mm-hmm. the draft. And I think their wild card this year is going to be a kicker again. That, that would, in, if you draft a kicker before the seventh round, that would be ludicrous. Like I would be, I would be mad. And I'm, and how can you get mad at sixth round picks? I would be mad. At that. No, yeah, you can definitely get mad at sixth round picks <laughs> easily. It's very easy to do. Like, like gone are the days of Sebastian Janikowski going like 17th overall as a kid. Oh. Like, like that. This isn't happening anymore. Back to back drafts, I think the Raiders took special teamers in the first two rounds <laughs> with Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler. I mean, both ended up being very, very solid players, yeah. very solid players, but you, you can find these guys. I promise. I promise you can find these guys. And, and Bill, I know, I know you're listening. Don't go drafting the guy out of Quinnipiac. I don't even yeah. know if they have a football team. Probably Quinnipiac. not. He'll take, he'll take uh, because, the backup goalie on the soccer team. Because he, he once kicked a ball in the rain and it went pretty close to going in. Uh, speaking of which, guess where Bill was yesterday? He was being oh, honored no. by, uh, I think it was the Naval Academy. Navy and Army played each other in lacrosse. So Ooh. that's that's where Bill was yesterday. He was uh, being honored at a Navy-Army lacrosse game. Uh, have to wonder if he's is looking for his next gunner <laughs> or something. You know, I, I, I do hear a lot of people that have been uh i don't know if shaming is the right word but like questioning what bill belichick's been doing during during all this time where he's kind of seen like on vacation or he's doing a little bit of this a little little bit bit more hands off and i normally i would be like guys come on like he can enjoy his life he's a court he's a he's a coach like he's won all these super bowls he's still getting results for the most part other than this past year but 
we're what five days away from the draft at the point where you're talking about four or five days away. And I feel like you should be. Like, yeah, it's like, what are you reading game really, or something? What are you really going to learn though in this last week that you haven't already noticed? Are you like, I don't, I don't know what the process is for an NFL team when they, when they go through their scouting and drafting. Like I was watching a video of Nick Saban talking about when he was in the NFL saying there's like two weeks where you prepare for the draft and then two weeks where you talk about the draft and then another two weeks where you prepare for the draft and then it's the draft. And that didn't really make much sense to me because if all these guys do is work for six weeks out of the year, whoosh. Um, But I think that Belichick has been more hands-off this year and, and Kraft has even admitted that. He said that the process seems to have been a little bit more uh, democratic, so to say, hmm. you know, some of these pro days that Bill would have gone to, or even the senior bowl, which Patriots are notorious for taking guys that perform well at the senior bowl. He hasn't gone to those. Um, I'd like to think that he's still working. I'd like to think that he's working on other things. You know, maybe he is looking a little bit more long-term or as, as, seems this is the case he's letting his co-workers do their job you know maybe that's the change that they need i think it's been questioned for that for for years and rightfully so but let's not freak out and this is coming from someone who was very critical of belichick all year Mm -hmm. it is still bill belichick like the guy still knows football Mm-hmm. We, the game hasn't progressed or transcended to a point where he doesn't know what to do. My one concern with him, though, is he's what, 69 now? I think so. I think he's 60. Yeah. Nice. So he's going to be in his 70s. How long is he going to want to do this for? realistically that is a legitimate question he always said i'm not going to be marv levy i'm not going to be coaching into my 70s and we're on that door bill we're right on that doorstep we are very close so if he's going to let's just say mentally invest himself for three years this is kind of his last draft Mm -hmm. so not last draft as in like his last time that he'll be drafting players, but this is going to be the last time where we're going to be able to say, okay, he had time to choose guys, develop guys and play guys. Right. If he gets another three years in. So again, that's just a number I'm throwing out there, but you got sources. (laughs) No, (laughs) that is, that's, that's kind of like what we're dealing with. That's why this draft is so important. It's just another reason why this draft is so important. Oh, a few more days. Can't wait. Bart Scott. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, Mike. Well, was there anything else that we needed to talk about as far as the, uh, as far as the draft goes or, uh, anything else that's been on your mind before we wrap up episode 40, which I know it's episode 40. Episode 40, the big four. Oh, almost there. We're, we're, we're grinding. We are. I mean, we, are we coming up on a year? In like four months, I think. Four months? Oh, my God. This is the last year has felt like a thousand years. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> um, I don't have anything really specific. I'm just really excited to see what, what this team finally ends up doing. Um, 
I know both of us are pretty big Boston sports radio guys. And just to hear the same conversation every day, Oh, this changed this tiny little aspect changed. How is this going to affect the draft? Oh, this, this team may be interested in this guy. How is that going to affect the draft? I just want it all to be over. And I want to know what the team's going to look like. Yeah. Because like- I didn't, football football my number one thing I didn't get to fully embrace myself in football last year it was it was a let's watch this team talk about how bad they are yeah rinse repeat over and over I and I would love to just have some hope and that comes this week well it definitely seems to like we are trending towards the direction of I don't know what the situation is going to be like as far as like uh conditions or whatnot but i think we're gonna have a full crowd at gillette stadium like by september there's we're trending in the right direction so people don't fuck it up because they need us for accountability Mm -hmm. i can't wait till they go like three and out in the first drive and the whole crowd all like i don't even know how many seats there are in there 50,000 i think there's like 68 yeah everybody just lets them hear it it's gonna be awesome Oh, all right. Last question, because I think by this time next week, maybe not a 100% by next week, but we should have a much, much clearer idea. Last question before we end today's episode. Week one, who's under center for the Patriots this year? And it doesn't necessarily have to be right because I'm going to ask you again in the offseason at some point because we're not going to know the answer right away. But if you had to guess who it's going to be, uh, who do you think is going to be Patriots quarterback week one? I think it's going to be Justin Fields. And that's a long cry from where we were literally an hour ago when I was, when I was <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be here. I think, I think you should uh, maybe go into politics because you're swaying me a little bit here, buddy. And I think that that eight pick is really – it's really so important right now because they have so many different things they can do in Carolina. If we just slide up there, it's not going to cost weight. It's not going to cost like an arm and a leg, like some of these other moves to get up to the top three, top four, you're going up seven picks. Maybe it costs you a second and a third. That's what I was thinking. And and, and you you slide up and and you grab your guy and you don't have to trade your second and third this year. You could trade it next year when hopefully your pick is a little bit later in each round. And, and you go up and you get a guy who, again, Justin Fields is a guy who I believe in right now because he is a, he's shown he's willing to play through injury. He's shown he's tough. He's shown he's, he's good. He's athletic. He can do a little bit of everything. I want to see, and I do think we'll see Justin Fields in New England starting in four days. Yeah. At the very <laughs> least, I think we, we all can admit that something's got to change. Like, they may bring back cam. He may be better. He should be better. Right. Healthier than he was last year, a year under the offense. He'll have an off season and better uh, weapons. No matter who the Patriots quarterback is going to be, they're going to be flawed Mm -hmm. and they're going to require some level of handling or, or really just coaching. I think it's going to be one of three people. I think it's going to be Cam Newton. I think it's going to be Justin Fields. Or I think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think if Mac Jones gets selected by the San Francisco 49ers, 
they will feel comfortable going with him and getting rid of Garoppolo. Yeah, he's you know? the one that everybody's been saying is the most NFL ready guy. So, and he also seems to be the one that gets linked to the San Francisco 49ers more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'll safely say Jimmy Garoppolo is under center for the Patriots week one. Uh, I think they go with Micah Parsons at 15. I think they trade back into the first round and grab uh, another player in a position of need, maybe Quiddy Pay. And not that that's really a position of need. And I think uh, we, we get a football season this year, like a legitimate, what seed are we going to be? You know, are we playing wildcard weekend? Who are we going to play? Are we at home? Are we like, I think we're going to get a football season this year. And if we don't, <sighs> don't even think about that. Cause I love the point that you just laid out and it, it, we're starting movement early. We're starting movement real early well, on these parts I, right now. We, we, I always do a terrible job of ending these shows too. Cause <laughs> I just find myself being so negative. I get, we'll, we'll try and keep it, keep it positive. Keep, keep it nice and positive. Yep. We're going, we're going Jimmy and two first round picks. I'm, I'm loving it. I, I, I want to see that happen. That's what we're going to get. All right, book it. Jimmy Garoppolo, two picks in the first round on Thursday. And the Patriots are AFC East champions again. I wouldn't put it past them. Mm-hmm. It's a very strong possibility. All right, but that's going to do it for episode 40 again. 40. Episode 40 of Moving the Goalposts. Uh, we want to make sure that you guys are following along, especially this week. Like, this is this is the week where we mm-hmm. will be active on social media for a number of reasons, but primarily the NFL draft. So you're going to want to follow along. I'm available on Instagram and Twitter at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? Get me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. And then, as always, follow along with the uh, the podcast social media pages. They're on Twitter and Instagram at moving the posts. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace. I'm going to tell you a story.